and we have decided to do a, a bit, little bit of a panel, a bit of a Q&A, and we're going to continue that uh, tonight. So we have uh, three uh, fantastic individuals. We have the, the wise uh, Norman Cuthbert, we have the lovely Sarah Hearn, and then we have Andrew Murcroft. And <laughs> I'm going to invite these three people uh, to come up and take a seat and ask them, please don't knock over the glass of water or I'll get in trouble. So if you want to uh, come on up and take our microphone as well. going to sort of face a little bit towards you, okay? You've landed, okay? Right, we're all nice and cozy. Right, let's begin. I'm going to ask you three folk just to briefly uh, describe yourself. Give us that little bit of basic info. So name, sort of family, where you live, church you go to, what you're doing now, and anything that you feel relevant. And we'll start with you. You said there. <laughs> so just uh, the, the basic info, like right. who you are, family, where you live, church. I, I'm Norman Cuthbert, live up the road in the Glebe, put it down. Uh, this is my home church, uh, right from when I was a small kid, I think six months old I belonged here. Uh, and I have been... Um, Doing various things. I, I think I started out being a farmer and then ended up being a missionary in Africa and uh, did a little stint in the headquarters in London and back here in Ireland. And now I am retired. Well, no, that's not correct. Uh, <laughs> you don't retire, you transition. You might talk about that later. Okay, that's, that's good. Um, I'm Sarah. I'm 17, I go to Portland College, and I do English, music, RA, and nutrition. Don't know why I do English, it's really the death of me. Okay. And um, I just live in Portland, and you probably all know my older brother, who is the preferred heron sibling by everyone. So, yeah. There he is, yep. <laughs> oh, what church do you go to? Oh, New Mills Presbyterian New Church. Presbyterian. All right. So I'm Andrew, uh, I'm 19. Uh, study law at Queen's um, from Portadown and go to Kilgamein Evangelical Church. Keck. Good shout. Good okay. Right, I've got some, we usually start off with some icebreaker stuff. I've got some rapid questions, okay? So no sitting on the fence with these ones. Okay, so I'm going to start off fairly basic and then ramp it up, okay? So we'll just sort of go Norman, Sarah, Andrew, okay? You ready for this? You haven't been prepped about these, so no, I'll start off. I'll start off nice and easy with you. I'll be nice, and then we'll get a bit more uh, sinister. Uh, Pepsi or Coke? Neither. Uh, no, you're not allowed to sit oh. in the fence. <laughs> Wrong. Oh no, sitting in the fence. Right, Coke. 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 Okay, summer or winter? Uh, summer. Winter. Winter. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Tea. Coffee. Okay. Chinese or Indian? Chinese. 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 All wrong. Um, Indian was the correct answer there. Uh, okay, right, let's, let's, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's take it uh, up a notch. Okay. Port Stewart or Port Rush? Port Stewart. Port Stewart. Port Stewart. Correct. Uh, fry from Wee Barney's or soup and sandwich deal from the Yellow Door? Oh, definitely a fry, mm. wherever it comes from, but Wee Barney's, if oh, that's where you get it. 
Big one, big up, wee birdies. Fry. Okay. Fry. Oh, come on, soup and sandwich, yellow doors, class. Come on. Okay, uh, watch a movie or read a book. Uh, probably read a book, I think. Okay. Read a book. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, in regards to communication with uh, with a friend, would you send a text or make a phone call? Uh, send a text. Text. Phone call, probably. That's a lie. I do no like way. a phone call. <laughs> do you like an night phone call? Yeah, I never. You never phone me. <laughs> we'll get that later. <laughs> get that later. Uh, <laughs> Uh, right, okay. If you had, let's just put a random scenario in place here. If you had to buy a new jacket, say you needed a new jacket, where would you go? Jemison's or Debenham's? <laughs> no family involved in this. Uh, well, if Jemison's was shut, it was shut, I'd go to Debenham's. <laughs> oh, nice political answer. Debenham's, because I get to see a duvet fall on the cool right head. Hey. Okay. Uh, Jemison's. Have to say that, don't Davison's. you? Have to say that, don't you? They're still mates. Okay, if you're okay, we've already had a sort of North Coast one. Okay, you're up at Morelli's in, let's say, Port Stewart. This isn't an, uh, an either or. Uh, what flavour ice cream do you get? Uh, butterscotch. Chocolate. Honeycomb. Honeycomb. Okay, good shouts. Okay, sort of last section. I was sort of thinking about how I would sort of conclude this sort of rapid fire one. So I do like sort of a Christiany one. Okay, so. This is somewhat Christian-y and somewhat stupid. Okay, Christmas or Easter? Christmas. 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 So, like, the Lord's resurrection, not that important, no? Okay, right. Fine, fine. Okay, remember, no sitting on the fence with these ones. NIV or ESV? NIV. ESV. ESV. Okay, right. John Piper or Tim Keller? Tim Keller. Tim Keller. Piper. Okay, okay. <laughs> the Gettys are Hillsong. Pass. <laughs> Hillsong. Hillsong, okay. Gettys. Gettys, okay, one one. Uh, just in regards to like sort of your favorite style of, of praise and how we lift our, our Lord up in, in song worship, would you rather uh, a full band? Are just a piano or a guitar on its own. So full band or guitar, piano on its own. Yeah, uh, like a full band, full believe band, it or not. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah, good man. Good man, Norman. Good man. Yes. Full band. Full band. <coughs> just piano. Just piano. Okay. Who's playing the piano? Dave. Dave. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Get that organized. Get that organized. Okay. If you could describe, if it, would you describe God's love as reckless? Yes or no? Answers no. Um, okay, let's uh, mix it up and let's go for an embarrassing story. Okay, so something maybe in your life that maybe you a bit of egg in your face. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to when I was quite small. It's not as embarrassing as. Well, anyway, I um, got a brand new bicycle for Christmas, and I, I used to go to a little uh, primary school in a place called Balnacor. The two classrooms and two classes—I was it—and we were all from the country. 
It was great fun. Anyway, I started going on my bicycles about three miles from where I live. And on the way home this day, an old deer uh, stopped us on the road, me and my mate. I said, would you deliver this letter to an old lady who lived way down the bottom of an old lane? I said, certainly. Love to do it for you. So we took the letter and off we went and got down this lane. Well, it ended up a race. Who would get to the house first? And it was the only house down at the end of this lane. And of course, I was flying. But when I got to the bottom, <laughs> bottom of the lane, I, 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 I couldn't get stopped. And I was, it was either hit the wall or hit the lady's door. <laughs> So I thought the softest spot in this is the door. What I didn't know was the door was completely rotten, straight through into the kitchen. <laughs> and there was the lady nearly had a heart attack, sitting having a cup of tea with her mother. Now, by a miracle, I didn't even get hurt. And I threw the letter at the lady and said, that's from Mrs. So-and-so, picked up the bike, and it went back up the end of the road. When we got to the top of the lane, uh, the two of us were... Well, he was in stitches laughing. I was petrified for a second. My father finds out this. I'm dead meat. So he said, tell you what, we'll go back down and apologize. So that's when I had the egg in my face. Mm. I had to go down and face this lady standing in the doorway. She was rather large lady standing in the doorway. <laughs> and that was all that left was a trim door. We said, Mrs. We're so sorry. Thankfully, she forgave us. That's good. That's good. I don't know how you're going to beat this, but that was... That was very good. <laughs> um, I was out on a wee catch-up date with Claire Ingram and we get a wee bit hyper together. So we had went to the McDonald's at Rushmere because the one in town is getting redone and it was like half eleven so there was literally no one there. So we were saying how we were raging that CE hadn't had a wee social in a while because I'm a bit of a pro at the Hillbilly Rock or so I think. And Claire decided that she would just play it through the car. So I thought it would be really good banter just to get out and start doing the hillbilly rock in the middle of the Rushmere car park. But what I didn't realise is that while me and her had been talking, a car full of boys had just sort of pulled up behind us. And I didn't see them until I got back in the car and they were all just standing there laughing at me. So I quickly drove off. Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. Do you want to demonstrate, sorry? No, it's okay. Yeah, so mine is from uh, Livewire a few years ago. Um, Johnny McGravy, who was here uh, a few weeks ago, was speaking. And um, whatever he said, I don't actually think it, the illustration really had much relevance to what he was saying. But I was front row with Matthew, Matthew, myself, Harry, and then like Tom and the other guys. So what he, whatever he said was, um, he said, yeah, my mother, she's like a three-foot leprechaun. <laughs> so I was front row, and like, I felt like, everyone looking at me <laughs> but um if you've ever been live war um you'll know that like they put like they project the person onto the screen and you can see the heads of like the front row so we were in the front row so matthew turns to me to like look at me to obviously laugh so did harry <laughs> so then i like kind of like i'm like sliding down but their shoulders are just going and like scott and the inventor were like shouting abuse like yeah leprechaun stuff yeah that's offensive. That's very offensive. Yeah. I'm surprised no one actually laughed at that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you live to tell the tale. Live to tell the tale. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. That's good. 
Uh, let's move on a little bit by moving on. I mean, let's look into the uh, go backwards into your into your lives, and let's think a little bit about growing up. Okay, so how was how was growing up like sort of family life and where you lived, etc. Any sort of relevant stuff with that there? How did you find growing up? Uh, I was where was I? Yes, I grew up on a farm. There were eight children, four boys, four girls. I was the oldest boy. So quite a bit of my childhood was actually working on the farm. Uh, and it was super time uh, when we were kids playing around and having great fun. But I, one of the things that um, impressed me most of all was my dad's really loved the Lord Jesus. He really did. And every day, we used to have our tea before the milking of the cows about five o'clock, half five. And we would have tea together, no matter how busy things were in the farm. We always had tea together. And then at the very end, when tea was over, and in those days now, there was no talking at the table. So you, you know what I mean? You just sat there and you be, behaved yourself. Anyway, but... My father always read the Bible, and then he prayed. It wasn't a long prayer, but at the end of his prayer, he always prayed for each one of us, from the oldest right down to the youngest. Prayed for us that God would save us, that God would bless us. Uh, and that was one of the memorable things that I remember about, mm. about, about growing up as a, a family in, a, in an atmosphere where you're really loved and cared for by your parents. It's great to hear. Um, so I was really blessed to be born into a Christian family with <coughs> parents who showed me God's love every day and with an older brother who I really look up to in my faith and um, I was quite sheltered growing up because I had just been going to church my whole life and I thought that everyone went to church and everyone was Christian because I didn't really know any differently but um, I didn't really like, I did like going to church but I didn't because I was the only kid my age in my entire church, so it hasn't been until the last few, uh, the past few years that I've really had any friends or fellowship in church now that there's a few older ones that have joined, so I like going to Bible study now, and I feel as if um, I just appreciate church more as a family now than what I did whenever I was growing up. Okay, cool. And we'll chat a little bit more about church later on. Andrew? Yeah, I suppose I've been the same in that um, my family are all Christians and you know, Jesus and faith's kind of been a real central point in that. Um, mm -hmm. Same as you two, I, I've gone to church since I was born, you know, Sunday school and youth clubs and meetings and that kind of thing. <coughs> um, you know, the Bible was read to us, you know, my, my brothers and sisters, and um, you know, each morning before we went back to school and we're kind of, I've always been surrounded um, and talking about Jesus and faith, so. Yeah, I was very sheltered growing up as well. Okay, yeah. okay. It's came across quite apparent that obviously Christian home, family, um, you have, we're have you here for our Tell My Story night. Um, so talk, we'll start off with you, Andrew, change it up. How, how did you come to faith? How did you, when did you, do you remember putting your trust in Jesus? What was the process to that point? Yeah, so I suppose like most people um, who are kind of born into a Christian home, I, uh, you know, prayed the prayer. I was very young, you know, with parents that, you know, Jesus, I'd sinned and um, I couldn't do anything about it and Jesus would come in and, and save me and one day I would 
uh, go to heaven with him. Um, but I suppose I didn't really grasp the, the actual fact that I was a sinner until a lot later in life. Um, there was a guy uh, who was being baptized in our church, and uh, he had kind of had this very, um, this life where he would, you know, he was very rebellious. He was out drinking every night. Um, he'd have a lot of alcohol abuse and, um, you know, other things that were just very unwholesome. So he was, um, he was getting baptized and he'd been saved and given his testimony. And I kind of was sitting there, um, it was 20, 2012, and I was kind of sitting there thinking, you know, I'm a sinner. You know, who is this Jesus? Um, am I really, you know, rejoicing in the fact that I'm, I'm saved? So that kind of really put it in my head that maybe I need to actually, you know, recommit. So um, that night I went home and, kinda and, and prayed and um, yeah, asked Jesus to, to save me and actually be be a Lord and Savior to me and not kind of just this guy who was central to what our family did and I kind of had knowledge of him and mm -hmm. could get by but he was actually personal to me right. Sarah? Um, I'd be the same as Andrew is that um, I became a Christian when I was really young I don't actually remember when I think I was seven it was at one of the summer games in my church and um nothing much really changed because I was a wee bit of a suck up anyway so <laughs> I was just the same good wee girl and um, then it was whenever the summer before going into junior high um, I sort of just realised how sinful I was even though I was this good wee girl I still sinned and um, it was then that I started taking my faith more seriously and really started a personal relationship with Jesus and wanted to learn more about him and was actually looking forward to going to hear about God and how amazing he is. Uh, yeah, w with our family we used to come to church on a Sunday morning here and then Sunday night um, with milking cows and all the rest of it, we used to go along to a little mission hall called Drum Nagoon on a Sunday night. Uh, now those little mission halls were were brilliant. It was about there was a lot of o old folk, but a, an awful lot of young folk. Uh, there was a crowd of us, maybe ten or twelve, uh, of young people. We used to have great great fun together. But the Sunday nights were nearly always somebody coming to preach the gospel. You would tell you that you were a sinner and need to be born again. And as a young kid, that's really was it was a uh, can't remember his name fellow from the belfast city mission used to come every year and preach and that night god really i was i think i was probably eight or nine years old can't remember exactly but god really spoke to me and i can still remember going back home uh just up to him in my bedroom and asking the lord jesus to come into my life and save me it was just as simple as that uh, unlike the others here, it, it takes time before you really grasp exactly what what has happened, and as you grow, you get to know more. Uh, but that was the beginning of my journey and, and my walk with Jesus. Okay. So we've thought about you guys coming to faith, trusting in Jesus. Uh, I suppose the follow-up question is like, well, what's the so? What's the application? What changed for you guys, uh, if anything? What what changed in your life as a result of putting your faith in Jesus. Ultimately, something changed for your eternity, but what changed in your life after trusting Jesus? Andrew? I think I saw a change for maybe a year or two. Um, I definitely uh, got more involved in church. 
uh, you know, love the people there, really, um, really want to get involved in that. Um, I also started praying more, started, you know, enjoying doing Bible studies. wasn't as, maybe wasn't as quick to kind of, I think sometimes when you're kind of brought up in a Christian home, you kind of, it kind of becomes a bit, like you kind of know the stuff and you mm-hmm. kind of can pass. But I actually really started to actually, you know, put my hope and trust in things. Um, but then I kind of, I, I think a lot of temptation came, um, especially in my upper and lower sixth years. Um, so there was change, and then I kind of got well-led, where I kind of joined a crowd in a group, which I shouldn't have. Um, and I probably started hoping in other things and placing what I, you know, worth in the likes of alcohol and people and what people thought of me. So then um, I kind of had another bit of a turnaround. Um, there was a there was a guy um, who you know kind of confronted me about it and said you know Markov what are you at like what are you at why are you out in, you know Bennett's on a Thursday night um, and I kind of had a lot of I don't want to say hate hate's a bit of a strong word but a lot of resentment toward him you know like who does he think he is you can say hate yeah, yeah <laughs> hate <laughs> yeah he's here so okay. I don't want to say hate but yeah I had a lot of resentment toward him you know why why is he actually done this mm-hmm. um, and then I met up with him and we kind of talked it about it and. I really didn't want to be putting hope and trust and you know pleasure in these things. Um, kind of poured my heart out to, bit, uh, to him a little bit and kind of talked through something, th- through some things with me. And um, I then went home again and over the next few months thought about it and kind of got out of that group and got out of that way of living. Uh, so yeah, there was change, and then I kind of slipped a bit. And then you know God's grace and this guy you know pointed out to me and the Lord had laid it in His heart. Um, I was changed again. Yep, yep. Shows the importance of good Christian friends. Yep. Sarah. Um, whenever I first became a Christian, I was young. There obviously wasn't much change. Like I do believe that I understood what I was making a commitment to, but mm-hmm. then it was whenever I was older that I fully grasped the concept of like how simple I was in my head. Like I was a really good person. I didn't. If someone was looking at me, you know, I was a bit of a teacher's pet so I never did anything really wrong in school but like I would be thinking oh, um, my sins aren't anything compared to other people like me telling a wee white lie or being a bit of a sass queen to my mum really is nothing much compared to people out there who are swearing all the time people who are stealing and people who are like murderers you know they're the real sinners of the world mm-hmm. but um, it was then I started to realise that God's standard is perfection. God's standard is Jesus. And no matter how little we think our sins are, we've all fallen short of that standard. So whether it's just a lie or two here and there, or whether you've done something way worse, you're still not at that standard that you should be for God's glory. But, you know, like, I found it hard at that time thinking well actually maybe I'm a bit of a terrible person but um, I just found comfort in that Jesus just covers all of our sins and Jesus brings us up to that standard because he just died for us and when God looks at us he sees his son mm-hmm. great. Norman uh, I suppose it's true like when you're still you become a Christian when you're qu- quite young it takes time for you to kind of, because uh, I wasn't really kind of a 
an extrovert at school and telling people I was a Christian. Uh, but I still had, there was a change in my heart in that, that I was always kind of thinking I should be more outgoing and sharing my faith. That, that was one thing that changed. And, that, and then I started going to the junior CE here. And that was run by uh, Sam McRae. He he was the like the assistant minister here, and he ran this junior CE. And he was he was just like a father to us all. And the junior CE then was you had uh, you had consecration once a month, and then um, another week you had to prepare a topic, and you had to go up and like you know share your topic, the verse they've given you. Uh, I learned to pray in in CE, and so I would say that probably. His, the influence of his life really gave me that kind of desire to want to know more. And I could just see in his life, and in other members of the congregation, other Christians, I could just see you know, how, they, how they really had a, a love for Jesus and they cared about the young people. Uh, and I would say that was probably be the early stages of my coming to really understand mm-hmm. you know, what it was to really love Jesus and how important it was to to kind of get to know his word and then I started uh, getting books and reading books and, and then it just goes on from there where you sort of think ah God's got a will for my life he's got a plan for my life where do I go from here so it, it's that's was kind of from my journey mm-hmm. I would say the influence of the, the Drum Nagoon folk and, and church uh, but particularly the CE and then uh, I followed on went to the the BB uh, believe it or not, it was exactly the same time as Poppy Chambers. Uh, and <laughs> that was some fun, wasn't it? So, so those things all sure had big influence. stories there. Well, yes, Robert's here. not saying any more yeah. tonight. <laughs> That's great. And it's good to hear that that happened in church as well, that, that, that example is being set. Look, we know uh, life is a bit of a roller coaster, ups and downs. Um, we'll start with you, Norman. Could you share uh, a time that you, you faced uh, maybe a low, uh, maybe a trial, a hardship, whatever that could have been, maybe from a, a fault of your own or just something out of your hands or circumstantial, like something like a trial? Um, could you share about, about that and how you went through that? Uh, y- yes. Uh, <coughs> when we were in Africa... We, I was involved in a rural development project that's just sinking wells, helping people with their gardens, working alongside the church uh, as well as with the young people too. Uh, and I, had, I really enjoyed it. I was out on a group of islands. Uh, these islands were really remote. Uh, most of the islands didn't have any transport, communication, shops or anything, so when you went from one island to another, you took everything you had with you. Um, and that was a wonderful time for me. And I really enjoyed it. And for me, that was, I was going to stay there as long as God wanted me to. And then we had a crisis on <coughs> our mission field. Our field leader, the director, uh, it was, uh, he resigned from his post and we had to have this conference about what we're going to do and the conference prayed uh, 
um, then the outcome of all that was, uh, Norman, we would like you to be our field leader. And I said, no way. I said, one, I'm out on the islands and we're the only missionaries there. Two, I would have to come and live in the city of Isau and I do not like cities. So sorry, guys, get somewhere else. Anyway, uh, they had another extraordinary meeting. And in the end, they came back and they said, if, if you don't take on this role, you'll be st stepping outside the will of God. You believe that. And I was sure I was in the will of God on the islands. It really was. And then I went into a period of complete darkness. My joy went. Everything went. I had no peace. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what to do until one day I read one of the Psalms where David was in the same situation and he just says, set me free from my prison that I might praise you. And when I read the lines of that Psalm, God was saying, you've got to go. And as soon as I said yes, just the cloud lifted the darkness went, and I had joy in my heart. Not because I wanted to go uh, into the city or anything like that there, but just simply because at that point in my life, I was resisting to do what God was asking me to do. And thank God I got out of that. It was, didn't last very long, uh, but it was an experience that I learned so much from then on for the rest of my life. Simple obedience. Sarah? Um, it was this time last year that I started taking really bad migraines and vertigo, which is basically like you feel really dizzy and when you'd be walking about, you'd feel like the ground is moving. So um, I went to the doctors and they said some big scientific word that I can't really remember. And they said, oh, you've got fluid in your ear. You'll be fine in a month's time. Just stick it out to the end and you'll be better after that. But basically, to cut a long story short, um, I didn't get better. I got much worse and um, I was really angry with God at the time because um, the consultants didn't really know what had caused it um, even after like blood tests and MRI scans they didn't really know what was wrong with me and um, I just remember feeling so frustrated because I it had, they think it was caused by a virus that I got after serving on a mission team in Malahide so I was just it's really angry because I was like, God, I spent my summer like serving you and trying to tell others about you, so why have you let this happen to me? And um, I just remember one night I was sitting on my bed and I had done this painting earlier in the summer with um, When You Go Through Deep Waters, I'll Be With You. <coughs> and I was just absolutely bawling my eyes out to my mum saying, if God says he's with us and where the flip is he and all this, like this is absolute mess. And um, I eventually got put on medication in January, so like five months later, and it started working about a month after I was put on it. But by then I'd missed way too much school to ever catch up, so I had to drop out. But I'm like the world's biggest nerd, so dropping out of school was quite a big deal for me, and I didn't handle that very well at the time. Um, but I think the hardest part of everything I went through was just how alone I felt. 
um, with not being able to go to school and like I couldn't come to CE very much. I didn't really see my friends and I didn't get to talk to them or when I did I felt really out of it because they were talking about things that had happened in school, the latest drama and all stuff like that. So um, through one thing or another I lost contact with pretty much everyone but our few in my year group and um, that kind of messed with my confidence for a while and still does because um, I was really nervous about going into my new year because I was like, no one's going to like me, no one's going to want to be my friend because if I was worth being friends with then I'd still be in contact with so many more of the people in my old year so I'm not, like, I must be pretty worthless but um, I over the summer I was in a house with the girls in my new year at New Horizon and um, while it was like terrible time and I thought my world was ending I could really see how God just placed me in that year because I love them girls so much they're basically like my sisters to me already and I love them because they're just top notch banter but as well because they showed me God's love whenever I needed it most and they're just the reminder that even though we can't see it at the time God is constantly working for our good even though we might not think or that or we think we have better plans for our lives that God really does just provide for us and he knows what's best. Wow, thank you. Yeah, so for me, probably a little bit more to do with um, circumstance. Um, I suppose one of the, the main trials I've faced has um, been living with a, a condition, um, you know, like a, a restricted birth condition um, for, tw for 20 years now. Um, you know, I was born with it, and, you know, we'll, we'll die with it. Um, and that's been difficult in, in many regards. Um, you know, meeting new people always, you know, wondering how they're going to react to you um, I think people can be can be mean um, you know, and, and rude uh, and they kind of in a way to boast themselves a little bit, little bit and make themselves um, look good and feel more comfortable um, so that's something I've really struggled with you know why God has made me like this you know and no one else um, you know why you know I've, I've been born into a Christian family and want to serve him but why does he give me so many limitations in that regard almost um, so I, I went I went to uh, Ulster University of Winday um, and it was probably it was very hard in that people you know you've got like 800 people my age all on a small campus you know and they see me and they can be rude and kind of that thing um, so I've kind of struggled that a lot in asking God questions why me um, I, I see a lot of things that I have to go through that I kind of I'm unsure why I have to go through these things um, but I suppose God has been faithful in that um, I'm often reminded in Isaiah 41 you know, he say, uh, Isaiah writes fear not um, for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God I will help you I will uphold I will strengthen you um, with my victorious right hand so that's been a big help to me in knowing that wherever I go and whatever I do he's he's present um, I think something else to be helped me is um, memorizing scripture memorizing verses so that when I know I'm going somewhere um, 
that I'm going to face trials, um, actually being able to just recite, you know, the Word of God in your head, you know, takes your mind off things and helps you know that He is beside you, you know, loving um, and upholding you. Uh, I often speak to my mom a lot about it and kind of pour my heart out to her a lot. Um, so she's probably, she thinks about it a lot. Um, in recent times, I've seen going to uni, you know, people are Tom Freeburn, 6'5", uh, you know, so I have to, have to strain stuff, but you have to look up with him, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's it's difficult, but it's good. It's God's faithful. Yeah. Well, thank. I suppose I feel like we could almost end there. But thanks for your honesty and sharing those 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 aspects of your lives and experiences. Really appreciate that. And um, let's move a little bit further down. Let's think a little bit about um, gifts and abilities. Okay, you all have gifts and abilities. Everyone here has a gift or an ability, a skill, or a talent. Um, how about share maybe one gift or ability and how um, you feel God's given you that um, and how God has placed that into your life to use um, to glorify, glorify him. Start with you, Norman. Uh, I suppose for, for a long time, I wasn't quite sure what my gifts were, to tell you the truth. Um, when I first went to Africa, I just went straight from farming. I remember going to Bible school uh, with five pounds in my pocket. That was the height of it uh, over in Glasgow. I remember that. And thinking, I was on this Lawrence Strandard ferry and looking back as Ireland disappeared. And I thought, what am I doing in this? And yet at the same time, God had said, uh, give me a very clear verse my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That so that I on the strength of that I went off to Bible school and managed to get through Bible school and was in Bible school God called me to go to to Guinea Bissau in West Africa. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure what I would do when I get there either. Anyway, um, I arrived there and there was a, a another Irish missionary and he was digging wells and doing all kinds of things out in the islands and of course with my farming background that's where you go so so off I went um, and I would say most of my work as a missionary was actually sitting in rice fields with farmers talking with them sharing their lives with them uh, the same with young people a lot of African life is there on the veranda of people's houses uh, and so I spent a lot of time doing that uh, as well as of course being involved in, in church life but I was really drawn, that's something I really love to do just sit down alongside people and chat to them pray with them and, and to help them uh, and I never saw myself as kind of a big preacher or you know massive Bible teacher um, I enjoyed sharing God's word one to one with small groups I really love doing that um, uh, and so I think that that probably when I moved back here and was over in the headquarters in, uh, in London with the WEC mission someone came up to me and said to me you know what your gift is 
And I said, hallelujah, please tell me. Because uh, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. They said, you have got a gift of exhortation and encouragement to people. And I said, thank you so much for that. That's what I will do. And I look back over my life and I can see that, uh, that, that God actually, you know, has that in you long before I recognized it. Uh, and people watch your life. And one of the things that, that, that was said to us when we were leaving Guinea-Bissau and coming home, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, you know, say nice things. But they didn't say, oh, thank you for digging all those wells and thank you for giving us our new rice and thank you for this, that, and the other. What they did say was, we would love to have a family like yours. And I said, ah, I didn't come out to do that. Uh, but that was what they picked up, just the way we lived our lives. We had an open home. Africans could come in and out of our house, sit down, have meals, weep with them, cry with them, pray with them. And to this very day, we have still have friends that we phoned and talked to as a result of that. So what, what I am trying to say is that whatever gift God gives you, use it. No gift is more important than the other, but they're all needed together. And so I just carry on. That is what I still do. Uh, and I just get an opportunity to talk, come alongside somebody, put an arm around them, pray with them, weep with them, encourage them. That really is the gift that I know that God has given me. And I probably will just keep using that till, I suppose, my memory fails me or something else like that goes on. So... Yes, I just praise the Lord for that. Isn't God good? Mm -hmm. um, he's wonderful. And so you, you kind of, you know, you've, you've, got a, you've got a gift. It's there. mightn't show itself just yet, but uh, it will be. And God wants to use it for his glory. Mm -hmm. And that's what he will do. And this is part of transitioning. You never, yes. you never retire. You never retire. You just transition uh, from one thing to the next. And you just carry on doing the same thing probably sometimes in a different context with different people but there you have it uh, and it really is gives you such joy and such pleasure in doing that mm -hmm. uh, so hallelujah isn't God, isn't God what more can I say except that God's made you unique who you are there's nobody else like me you know that there's nobody else like you and God's given you a special gift, and it mightn't be, you know, it mightn't be a big, you know, conference speaker or anything like that. But more is done in the kingdom of God through just that little gift of encouragement, of kindness, of help, of teaching, whatever it is. Uh, and that's what church really is is all about. Mm -hmm. Hey, Sarah. Um. I don't really think, well, I didn't think I had very many blatantly obvious gifts. Um, I just really like being a wee mummy to my friends, to be honest. <laughs> I like being, I like doing things that I think will make them happy or cheer them up, even if it's something stupid, like if they're stressed with their coursework, just going and buying them a wee bag of all their favorite things or sending them a Bible verse or if Matthew's stressed at uni, tagging them in golden retriever posts or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. But 
I never highly really recommend it. That yes, it's good always show. good. Um, I didn't really think that was very much of a gift, but um, I found God used that whenever I went to Philly this summer, because so many of the kids out there they just need love, like they need to be shown God's love, and I think that us being loving to them and not taking a cycle on them whenever they were being a wee bit annoying or like <coughs> acting up in class and just sitting down and being able to bond with the kids and talk with them about things like that like it showed me that even though I didn't think my gift was anything special that God could still use it for his glory and to further his kingdom it's yep. good to hear Andrew yeah I suppose this is probably the hardest question I thought to answer um, we don't like praising ourselves yeah, it's just not yeah. built within Northern Irish people it's difficult and on that note go ahead um, yeah so probably one of the hardest ones um, I think looking looking back to what I was saying in the last question I suppose um, uh, for me I kind of thought um, a few years ago you know what use could I be um, in that I didn't really know what God was doing with me. I was kind of like, you know, what use am I going to be um, in the grand scheme of things? Um, so I, I'd probably say it's actually quite weird that for, for a guy who's kind of got anxiety sometimes about meeting people and stuff, I do like, you know, talking to people and actually, you know, communicating things. Um, so I've kind of, I've seen myself have opportunities, you know, just within my own church, you know, and like children's work and um, children's talks and kind of taking a bit of a role in, in Bible class, which looking back has been something I would have never expected. Um, but yeah, I think I would encourage people to use their gifts. Um, in the question it said, um, you know, how would you use your God-given abilities? And I think um, I think God displays his glory and um, his beauty um, through Jesus and you know, it says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from above um, for you, um, for Jesus' praise. So really, um, when we're using our gifts, we're not really doing much um, but giving back what is already his. Yeah. Um, so I think I would say that, you know, use your God-given gifts because he has given you them ultimately for his praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, because he deserves it. Okay, so sort of wrapping things up slightly we're going to turn to a little bit of like practical advice so next few questions i'm going to ask these guys uh, if you could just give like one piece of advice it's something the first one's something you've already alluded to Murcroft, is in regards to reading scripture and praying those disciplines of reading your bible and, and praying uh, it can be tough but it's it's really important and it's a massive aspect of following jesus faithfully is reading the Bible and praying. So what, what, what has helped you practically to, in those disciplines? I'll, I'll start with you, Murcroft, because you alluded to it earlier. Um, I think uh, being committed to set aside time in your day um, to read and to pray. You know, um, I saw there was a Desiring God post a few weeks ago that John Piper was saying, you know, um, 10 minutes in your Bible won't cut it in a world, in this world. Um, I think that's I agree with that, you know, um, again, uh, God, um, the creator of the world, displays himself through the Bible, and he, and he gives it to us a gift um, to, you know, to be able to enjoy him, know him, um, and find you know, satisfaction in our soul. So I think setting aside time 
whether that be before school, after school, before you go to bed in the morning, to actually get into his word and to see who Jesus is, um, see, you know, what what he is, um, and who he says he is. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. So I think one piece of advice for me, set aside time to do it and stick to that. Um, I do a few Bible studies, so I would do a one-on-one Bible study with Katie West from my church, and then I would do, we just started one in my friend group, so we would all go after school and just study, I think we're studying Ruth now, and I think that's just really helpful because it can be difficult whenever you're trying to study it by yourself, and having the discipline to try and keep at it, and you know, some nights you're just like, I'll just take one night off, it's fine, I'll come back to it tomorrow. But then it just gets into a bit of routine of avoiding it. So having like friends who you're doing a Bible study with who'll keep you persevering in God's word, I think is really helpful as well because um, they'll see things that you wouldn't see and they'll be able to see how what God's saying that maybe you would have never thought of. So it's just really encouraging to learn things from other people yeah. as well. Brilliant. Yeah, the, I think the the most important thing in in the Christian life is is getting to know God, really getting to know Him. Uh, and the the only way you can do that is is actually by disciplined Bible reading. Very often with aids. Sometimes I would. Um, use a commentary uh, maybe simple commentary to try and understand exactly what it's saying always ask God to help you understand Mm -hmm. what it's about Uh, so it's not like reading massive chunks of the Bible Uh, I have a little Bible app as well that gives me a verse for the day and that sometimes you know can be really good if you uh stop for five or ten minutes and actually read that verse maybe half a dozen times. Read it and reread it and reread it. Very often that can give you a huge focus uh, for the day. And as your, your name again? Sarah. As Sarah said, uh, share with others what you're learning from the Bible. Just find a friend or two and, and share with them talk to them about it and pray together that, that really is the way that you sh- start to grow and to understand that uh, your life is having a huge impact on the people around you your friends and others watch people who are Christians and if we really are, are walking close to the Lord it, it will be seen just in the way we behave and the way we talk and the things that we say and so your whole journey from a young person right through will be shaped and molded and grow just by uh, understanding and knowing God's word. I'm older now, uh, but your hunger grows more. You really want to know, what does that mean? What is this about? The reality of who God really is and the power that God puts in his life through the Holy Spirit in, in you is amazing. It really is um, and totally transforms your, your life, I'm not saying you won't, we don't go through difficulties and ups and downs and uh, we've, I've been through it with cancer and all the rest of it and, and the tough times and sometimes with our families and things happen and you wonder why 
And that it's, it's in moments like that there you just come back to say, well, this is what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And so it is hard work. It is hard work. You've got to stick at it. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep praying. Take some of the prayers in the Bible and, and look at those prayers and see what actually is it that people are praying for. Look at Jesus' prayers. What's he praying for? And repeat that and pray that yourself. And then you get into the place where you're actually really praying for the things that are in God's heart as well. So, yes, it's a discipline. You've got to keep at it. Work hard. If you get slipshod at it, go and tell your friend, look, I'm, I'm, I'm finding this tough here. Please help me. And get reorganized and start again. That's what life is all about. Yes, we just keep going. Yep, helpful, helpful. It's not, it might not be easy, and it might... We might feel guilty once we slip a day, but keep at it. It's worthwhile. Okay, penultimate question. Okay, there's many people here, all of us sitting on this stage, we, we trust and we follow Jesus. But there's some and of you out there that have not yet trusted and followed uh, Jesus yet. You've made, you have not made him your, your Lord and Savior. What will be your one piece of advice for that person who's sitting out there uh, tonight who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior? We'll start with you, Murcroft. Um, I think um, getting to know um, who this Jesus is um, Paul says that he counts everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus and him crucified so I would say you know, look at who Jesus says he is and ask yourself is this someone I want to follow is this someone that I want to put my effort and life into um, I think He's worth living for. Mm-hmm. Um, I know many people here do, but I think looking at Jesus, seeing who Christ, what Christ has done, um, seeing who he is and who he says he is, and then making a decision. Um, if you're not putting your hope in Jesus, then what are you putting your hope in? At the end of the day, Jesus is the only thing that can save you, not popularity, not going out to the latest pretty formal or not being the prettiest girl in the class that you want to be. It's only Jesus, and Jesus is what you should put your hope in. I think very often, um, as young people, we kind of grow up and we try to kind of have an identity for ourselves. We like to think, well, your dreams of what you want to be, where you want to go. But all I will say is that um, for those who are not Christians, very often dreams are shattered. Uh, Things don't turn out the way they normally think they are. That's just how life is. And then you've got nothing to hold on to. But those of us who who know and love Jesus, he's a rock. He's the one that gives us our identity because without him, there's there's no hope. There is nothing out there. Um, our world today is in a total, absolute mess. Uh, and even our governments and those don't know where to turn, don't know how to make decisions because they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. But when you have Jesus in your life, The Bible says very clearly that um, 
hope is in him. And as far as thinking to the future and later on and end of life and all the rest of it, it says that he has our faith, our trust in him is kept for us. Our inheritance is kept, you got that, for us in heaven. So who's doing the keeping? It's not us. We're not there. But it's being kept by God himself. And those of us who are Christians, we know that. And sometimes our lives go haywire. But God is keeping our place, our inheritance, our salvation in heaven. And that's what I would reach out to you today and say, reach out to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Allow him to take hold of your life. He loves you like nobody else. He cares like nobody else. And he can change your life. And, and I look back over now, um, 60 odd years of walking with Jesus. Uh, and I just thank him for keeping me and for giving me such a sense of security, of identity, where the only thing that matters is pleasing the Lord Jesus and knowing that in the end of the day, there's a glorious hope for me. So take time to think about it. Take time to talk to your friends and just ask the Lord Jesus to come in and change your life. He will radically change it forever. And then nothing will ever be the same again. You'll have such peace in your heart and such a rest. It won't be easy. It will be tough. But in the end of the day, there's no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's great. Okay, final question. We live in an individualistic world. Um, often that seeps into Christianity, and we have this sort of like loner Jesus religion that follows people sort of Jesus and me. Um, but church is really important, and you three all go to church, so well done. That's great. Uh, what's the piece of advice that you would say to someone to convince someone of the importance of going to church? We'll start with you, Norman, and then work this way. Uh, well, I, uh, I describe church as community. It's, it's, uh, we, I, I don't know, maybe sometimes people think church is just a, a big building where people meet on a Sunday, but that church really actually is family. It's where people who love Jesus kind of time to come together to worship, to pray together, to be as a community witnessing the power and the love of Jesus. Uh, and it's, it's so important that, that that's how it was right from the very start when Jesus rose from the dead. Little churches were planted, little communities of believers, and that's how Paul put them all together. And they came together to learn, to grow, to be a family, uh, to be the light of the world. God has not set us as little islands out on our own. He's put us in church together with other believers, and not all of, we're all broken people, sinners saved by grace. We've all got our faults and failings, but that's the whole point of it, that we're there for each other, to love each other, to love each other the bits. That's really what church is about. It's not, it's not about you know, who's doing what in church or who's this, that, or the other, but it's about loving each other, encouraging one another, and helping each other to grow, to help those who are going through tough times, people like who are going through illness, who go through bereavement. Uh, 
missionaries out on the mission field were there for them all together with one heart, with one aim. doesn't matter what title we put on the outside of the church. With one aim, and that is to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus, to lift his name high. And we need each other if we're going to do that in the big world that we live in and to be there for one another. That's what Paul said. The church is just like a body, all the bits and pieces of the body working together for the glory of the Lord. That's really what God wants. That is church. And we need to be part of it and get involved in it, make a contribution, use your gifts. Uh, and it's just amazing what God will do for your church whenever that really is its DNA. Thank you. Sarah? Um, if you don't go to church and you think that you can be a Christian by yourself and church isn't important, it's so easy to slip into temptations and you don't even notice it. It's not all at once. It's subtle and it's slow. And then you're just so far from Jesus. But going to church like it is a family and you do make really good bonds there and they'll keep you accountable while you might not like it at the time they curve you so much they love you because God loves them and you God has invited like you and them into his family so you are brothers and sisters and um, they want what's best for you and they just want to show you God's love Croft um, I think one of the most helpful ways I've thought about church is um, looking at First Timothy uh, 3.15 where Paul is talking about what the church is and he says um, the local church um, is the household of God a pillar and a fortress of the truth so in a world where um, our identities are being questioned and the role of women and the role of men are under attack and you know, unborn children are suffering and there is so much going on. Um, I think the church serves as a pillar of the real truth, the truth that um, Jesus Christ has come into the world to save and to save a broken and dying world. I think it thrives. We thrive in church. Um, that's where the truth thr thrives anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think um, to be involved in that is one of the greatest gifts that God has given believers. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's so important that we, yes, we meet here at CE, but also that we meet collectively as a church with different ages, backgrounds, people, because that's what heaven is literally going to be like. All different ages, races, nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation. Okay, that is us. Let's give these guys a huge round of applause. for just starting off with silly questions, but uh, for sharing their lives and how uh, they're on a journey at different stages, but ultimately how Jesus has, has transformed them. Um, I'm going to pray for these guys, give thanks to, to God, and then we're going to sing. I'm going to invite Stephen and David um, up to lead us in uh, a few items of praise as we, as we close. So let's pray for Norman, for Sarah, and for, for Murcroft. And give thanks to these guys. Come up to them afterwards. Say you appreciate them. Give them a bit of encouragement.